0: Hello, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Okay, so hello, everybody. This is Anthony Rivet for your new episode of the Brothers Podcast. Uh, Amanda Held is the author of the Little Book of Questions for Massive Transformation and the creator of the world's number one equine breakthrough system for corporate teams and leadership. As a veteran and the CEO of not-for-profit Hooves, Amanda has established herself as one of the most influential and effective trainers in Ohio. Amanda helds unique UNIX behavioral models and systems offer powerful insights, leaving clients with the answers they've been looking for but missing, effectively solving some of their most costly communication and efficiency challenges in their corporation. Since 2012, Amanda has been the go-to leader and teacher for challenged individuals needing personal breakthrough and self-mastery with business executives and teams who understand that effective collaboration and communication in teams is the way to achieve the most successful output. Put simply, people come first. Her signature 30-day breakthrough course, From Chaos to Clarity, is built to connect people with their passion and purpose, creating the ultimate state of flow. Amanda Hell is the specialist in quick, effective, executive coaching strategies for teams that get fast and highly for corporations. I mean that I think uh, the microphone is close to something uh, noisy no
1: oh, it's my dog I'm trying to get him. I'm trying uh, okay, to get her okay. away from me there no we go no is problem. that better
0: yeah 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 <laughs>
1: okay very
0: okay, good so maybe maybe your intro I uh, will have some uh, some noise but hey it's live it's uh, it's done so don't worry about no it no problem okay so welcome to the show uh, my dear friend. so Thank uh, you. I would like to To start with, uh, maybe give me your background. Like most of the people will not know uh, equine uh, therapy. Like how can horse help people? How did they end, end up in your life so that now you can now work with them and have so massive results with veterans and other people?
1: Great. Well, I I always say I was born with the gift of horses. I, at the age of three, even though my parents were city people, I just started saying the word horse. And I, after a year, my mom decided she would enroll me in riding lessons. So she used to drive me to the country about 45 minutes once a week to, um, to get me my riding lessons. And I always say it just kind of escalated from there. But, uh, horses became an integral part of my life as a child. I didn't always connect well with people, but mm-hmm. I always felt safe to be vulnerable in front of my, my animals and my horses. And um, I had to leave that life for a while at the age of 18 to go off and join the United States Air Force. Mm-hmm. But as fate would have it, I found myself back with horses in 2003 when I was stationed at the Air Force Academy. Um, they had a stable there. Where they uh, worked a lot with wild horses, so it had always been a dream of mine since I was a little girl to gentle wild Mustang, and mm-hmm. I found myself with that opportunity uh, when I was 20 years old. So it was pretty exciting. Yeah. And um, as I uh, grew up, I I suffered some emotional trauma in my family. Um, I had a very abusive mother, so. That took its toll on me, and I basically joined the military to escape.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: (laughs) I always say, uh, you can't run from your problems. At some point, they will catch up with you. Yeah. So I found myself as a a young mother. I got out of the military uh, to stay at home with my kids, and uh, everything just kind of caught up with me emotionally, and I started to really struggle with anxiety, depression, um, suicidal thoughts and um, I didn't really understand uh, why because my life you know, seemed to be okay at the mm-hmm. time um, but connecting with this young horse um, I was encouraged by some of the trainers at the stable to adopt a, a baby wild horse and okay. um, through working with this horse I really started to see myself in that animal um, you know, this young horse that was, uh, afraid, very fearful, untrusting. And so as I projected all of the things I was dealing with onto this horse, I externally started helping the horse and in turn helping myself. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really how this work with horses works, um, with with dogs, you know they're they're very soothing. Uh, they love and accept us unconditionally. They're amazing animals, but they're pack animals. So their job is to make you happy.
0: Yeah.
1: Horses, on the other hand, are non-predatory herd animals with a very high sense of self-preservation. Mm. So they come they come first, and um, their survival instincts will will often, unless trained out of it, uh, trump any training that they have had. So, uh, they're really a, a beacon of truth for people because they're going to show up how you show up. Yeah. They're going to read your nonverbal body language and they're basically going to project back to you everything that you're putting out to the world. So it's, wow. it's, it's this phenomenal opportunity to see what your life looks like outside of yourself or maybe mm-hmm. to see how the world perceives you. So there's very um very clear, very authentic feedback in the work with horses.
0: And what do you think uh so with the veterans what do you think like well with the experience you have of course what are the common patterns and like the the probably like maybe the stereotypes or like the main issues I know most probably with ptsd but like if you can be more specific in more details like their behaviors their bodies what's uh what's keeping there what's uh hard to to get out uh yeah well
1: that's a great question and i'm actually going to answer that question with a story because i think that will help our listeners uh sure. really put put the pieces together so i have typically three to four horses in an arena and i bring in a group and I will just let the group observe the horses for, for a little while. And this gives the horses the opportunity to start reading the body language of of the participants. And so this one in particular day, I had a horse. And, um, you know, I, I will say the horses will really, no matter how well I know them, they will come out of character to be whatever they need to be. the group on that particular day Mm -hmm. and so we have a a horse that was generally just very uh, calm very loving um really didn't ever (laughs) ever disagree with you and um just a really all-around gentle kind horse and in that group that particular day uh this horse started kind of looking agitated and pacing back and forth um, pinning her ears back, cut, baring her teeth a little bit, which is very, very uncommon for horse behavior, because normally they will run away from you. Their flight, mm-hmm. flight before flight, fight. Yes. Um, so I, I started noticing all these behaviors in this horse that I I interpreted as aggressive. And you know, one of the things that that we receive in our training is that we don't ever project our ideas onto the group we simply ask questions yeah so at one point the horse actually went over to one of the participants and i have this picture on my website it's become a a staple picture for the program Mm -hmm. but she walked over and she took his flannel shirt in her mouth and she ripped the back of it (laughs)
0: <laughs> Whoa, okay. and
1: and my co-facilitator was like we got to get this horse out of the arena you know somebody's going to get hurt so on and so on and she was just really adamant about taking the horse out and I said intuitively no this means something and we need to yeah. to see how this plays out now we're always trained in safety and how to prevent you know potential dangerous situations so what I did actually is I called the group over so we, we took away the pressure from the horses and I just asked the guys, hey, what is going on? Tell me about this horse. Obviously, you know, it's, it's having some behaviors. What do you see? And so one guy says, ooh, that horse is afraid. It's really, really afraid. And I'm thinking, okay, he doesn't look very afraid to me, but <laughs> all right. <laughs> you know, then I just get curious. And I'm like, tell me more. Why do you think this horse is afraid? Tell me. And he said, well, you know, it's in a new environment it doesn't know any of the people around it it doesn't know what it's expected of it and as he's describing this horse i kind of watch his eyes go big and he says that's me that oh. that's my family thinks i'm aggressive but i'm a, but i'm really just afraid yeah, and, that, and that's how i behave yeah oh. so uh so you can see how the horse just really will absorb that the emotions and and the behaviors of, of the people that's surrounding it. And so at that point, you know, we, we were able to identify an emotion, fear. Okay. So then I said, well, we can't take fear out of our lives. So we can't take fear out of the arena today, but we're going to spend the day trying to learn how to work with fear. So what do we need to do? How can we get this fear under control right now? One of the other guys says, I know we need to harness it. So I said, okay, great. And so the guy, guys walk over and they work together and they grab a halter. And I'm telling you the moment that they had that halter on that horse, I watched a complete transformation in that horse's body language. Oh. And the horse actually ended up that day being the, the most cooperative horse and we, we create other obstacles on the ground. So there's never any riding done in this program. But yeah. at one point, they had to build a pathway that represented their future. And because they had harnessed fear, that horse led all of the other horses seamlessly through this gauntlet <laughs> that they had created with like tires and bridges and poles and jumps. Amazing. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, we were able to help those participants integrate fear because up until that point they had seen it as a weakness. And so at the end of the day, we were able to say, well, how's our fear a benefit? And they said, well, you know, when we harness it, when we look at our fear, it it's kept us alive. Um, it's kept, you know, uh, enabled us to do the mission. It's kept our family safe. And so the moment they can see all the benefits in something that they had spent the past 10 years judging, Mm -hmm it's it's become integrated. And then it no longer is a deficiency, but it becomes an efficiency and helps them gain peace of the heart and mind.
0: Yeah. And do you uh, have some follow-ups with some of them? For example, uh, they transcend, well, they understand fear, they integrate fear, they appreciate fear. And then they have new projects after uh, the military, of course. So uh, yeah, do you have any like um, testimonials or feedback from like, oh, I use my fear now for this new project. Of course, I'm a bit anxious, I'm a bit scared, but I'm doing it and I, I love it so much.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, <laughs> the the individual uh, who, who had his shirt uh, torn that day actually um, ended up, he was in a job that was very unfulfilling. And after uh, that workshop, he was able to uh, leave that job and manifested this opportunity to become uh, uh, the head of the veterans at, at a, a local college. So he's um, basically the veterans officer and he now helps other veterans, mentor them um, and help, helps them get educated. And he kind of provides a support role for them. So dissolving that really opened up those doors, and he's, and this was uh, 2005, so four years ago, and Mm -hmm. he's actually coming back, our next retreat is April 25th, so he's going to come back as a a leader, a cabin leader in this next retreat, and now he's actually um, taken his fear, empowered himself, and now he mentors other veterans.
0: Wow, this is amazing. Uh, uh, and tell me if we go back now more to you, how did you uh, transcend some of your fears uh, doing this project? And maybe uh, I, I know you had some ups and downs, of course, like any entrepreneurs. But I know sometimes it was like some big, big uh, challenges <laughs> up, your, up your face. And I would like to have your, your experience, your, your feedback. How did you get out of the typical situations even if you feel this, this fear?
1: Well, um, that's another great question. I actually formed this nonprofit in starting in 2009, and um, things were seeming to go extremely well for us, and, and the business was really taking off. And then two days after Christmas, uh, my dad uh, passed away of a heart attack unexpectedly. And... Um, He was my business partner and uh, we ran the farm together. So losing him also meant that I was unable to keep my farm and I pretty much lost everything except uh, a couple of horses that I was able to take to a friend's house. So uh, at the time that really seemed devastating, but what actually happened from that entire situation is it, it um, forced me to look for better tools to handle my life because at that point, everyone thought that I was basically going to crawl in the hole and die and become non-functioning and, mm-hmm. and that I would not rise from this. Everyone yep. just thought, well, it's kind of over for, for Amanda. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's when I learned about uh, human behaviorist Dr. John D. Martini. And I met a guy named uh, Chaz Sanchez, and he began um, coaching me through grief. And I started to learn these tools and these questions that I could use to just completely reframe all the struggles that I had going on in my life. And so uh, I've built a lot up from that foundation, but but that was truly the the game changer for me is when I started to learn how to see everything as on the way instead of in the way.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay. So, And I know on this part, we have a lot of in common uh, with the same background. So uh, tell me, over, over the years, how did you transform and adapt uh, that foundation? Like even for me, uh, yes, I studied John a lot with my parents. But now, like when I'm doing my coaching – I'm so in the flow of like when you've done so much the work, then you can just be very intuitive with the questions and uh, your method become like, you just navigate through it. Uh, Are you the same as me for this?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I I know the horses play a big part in this. And, you know, a lot of people ask me because I have developed my own method called um, equine integrated wellness. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, The foundation that I learned uh, gave me the confidence to know that I was in control of my own healing and that I'm the only one that could make this happen and that nobody outside of me was ever going to be able to heal me, but that all of these things around me could help empower me to heal myself. And so that's when I met Stephen Gardner and I started practicing uh, the art of integrated appreciation. And what that gave me was the ability to connect with my body and and once I got my head and my body connected um, it almost opened up these floodgates of divine information and so uh, I would spend a lot of time with the horses and I would just observe them and watch how they responded to stress and how they worked through things and um, I just found myself in this amazing flow of um, presence, authenticity, and I would say divine information. So a lot of the facilitation I do these days uh, really is just intuition-led. Yeah. I know that uh, we get these nudges to, to say or do certain things, and I've learned that um, the more I act on those intuitive nudges the more aligned I become and the more empowered I become to help other people.
0: Perfect. Uh, and the other question that's coming up right from my intuition right now is I know with uh, veterans, there's a lot of medication addiction in uh, if, on the line. And I'm like, we know there's a better way and maybe you can share some uh, beautiful story about like people who were taking so many medication or even maybe yourself, you took some in the past. I don't know. Uh, and how did you transform that, like, this dependency, or even just if it's just a crutch, just like, oh, here and there, sometimes an the anxiety pill or whatever, but, yeah, you can just rely on yourself fully with the methods and your own body wisdom.
1: Yeah, I was um, very heavily medicated at one time. Um, uh, I I had been on pretty much every antidepressant on the market that was available, and... Um, you know, so medicated that I was really losing out on my quality of life because I just didn't feel anything. I didn't yeah. feel sad, but I, I couldn't feel happy either. Mm-hmm. And um, it was when I uh, listened to a video by Dr. Martini where he was explaining about our beliefs and how our, our beliefs drive the cortisol and serotonin releases in our brain. And I kind of connected some dots there. it's like, oh yeah well if i if I think about puppies and kitties and cuddling them, um I feel this burst of happiness. My body relaxes, I feel good, I feel energized, and if I think about puppies and kitties being run over by a truck, i <laughs> <laughs> I immediately feel sick and um you know just cringe, and my body tenses, and I feel stress and it was that epiphany of realizing that my thoughts are what controls the release of chemicals in my my brain and my body, um, it was just this huge aha moment of like, well, if I think better thoughts, I will release more positive chemicals, I yes. will release more dopamine and serotonin. And if I think negative thoughts, I'll re- release more cortisol. Um, so I probably didn't do it the right way. I went off of everything cold turkey, and I don't recommend that. Oh, no, I always recommend that people, um, if that's uh, an option they want to explore, that they consult with their their doctor. Yes. Yeah, but sure. uh, what I did realize is, after having diagnoses of bipolar, um, antisocial, er, um, borderline personality disorder and uh, depression and anxiety, um, that after about a year of practicing, not positive thinking, because I don't like that word, but balanced thinking, yeah, I was sure. uh-huh. actually able to go back and get reevaluated, and it turns out that I don't have any of those disorders, mm. and wow. I I completely attribute that to taking responsibility for what goes on in my head, um, because yeah. I used to I used to think and believe that I didn't that I didn't have that kind of control, you know, and I was told by the medical field. Well, it's just like having diabetes, you know, if you don't produce insulin, you have to take a pill and no one judges you for that. And, you know, and it's not about judgment. It's about, um, you know, first of all, your kidneys aren't a conscious organ, your brain is. And Mm -hmm. so I learned through that consciousness and awareness of what I was thinking, and how I would feel after I would think those thoughts. And then after being told that, I could actually control that, uh, that I really haven't looked back from there, you know, and it doesn't mean that we don't have bad days. It doesn't mean that we don't have moments of sadness or anger or fear. It's just knowing that after you release that, that initial burst of emotion, that you can start asking yourself the questions to really sort out anything in your life. And the more you do that, more neural pathways your brain builds and the less you need outside things outside of you to help you feel present and peaceful. So, you know, a lot of what I do these days is really backed by neuroscience and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just, it makes so much sense. And the more that I teach it, the more people that come to my retreat center and get this information say, it's so simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. And anyone can do it. And it doesn't matter what you've been diagnosed with. It doesn't matter how far down the the rabbit hole you've gone. You can fully heal. Anyone can heal. I firmly believe that. And I've seen it time and time again.
0: Yeah, me too. And uh, what is your current uh, situation with like the hospitals? And I think you had some uh, like presentations or like you had to face traditional medicine in the Western world. So tell me if you can tell me a bit more about this.
1: Sure. Well, a lot of what I do <laughs> um faces the medical field and and I'm not discrediting it. I you know, and I'm not even discrediting med- medication because I do believe that it has its time and its place and, exactly. and sometimes people are so far gone um mentally down the rabbit hole that that they need a medication to stabilize them yeah. until they can do the work. So I I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I I truly believe that it has its time and place and And I also believe that this work is not for everyone. It is, Mm -hmm. it's just not, there's, there's going to be people that aren't interested or willing to put in the effort and and that's okay too. And, you know, there's no judgment on any of that, but when I approach the medical field in my area, especially, you know, the VA, because right now they're in charge of medicating and taking care of uh, a very large population of veterans um, that, I really promote, my work as supplemental and and personal, because, you know, I mean, this is my journey, I have achieved full healing and uh, a life better than I could have ever imagined. Uh, But it's, you know, I had to create it based on what was best for me and in alignment with who I am. And I realized that's not going to be the same for everyone. Um, So I always uh, position my program as supplemental. Um, you know, and I can work with any facet, I can work with medical professionals, I can work with spiritual professionals. I I just kind of see myself as someone relaying information to people and they can take that and, and make it their own, almost like art form.
0: Yeah. Um, I really just remember you had a story with a beautiful goat and I think you had to, there was some trouble in the city. And I I think this was kind of an inspiring (laughs) inspiring story that I'm pretty sure people will feel a heart uh, warm and melted a bit. So maybe you can share with us uh, the story of your nice little goat and like what happened and what, how did you become international with that? Like in (laughs) 24 hours or something like that. It was crazy.
1: Yeah, that was quite a story. I, um, we bought a house in in a village, uh, the village of Grand Rapids, and it was kind of. It's a very rural town, no stoplights, and I had called the the village zoning person prior to to doing this, but and I just asked. I said, you know, we have a we have uh, two goats, and uh, we'd like to have them at our house, and we you know built a privacy fence and a very nice structure and. Um, you know, he just kind of said, well, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we took that and we ran with it. So uh, we had a couple of goats in the back and, um, you know, they were really brought a lot of joy to the village and no one ever complained. Uh, you know, they were very quiet. The The yard was very, very well kept because it was actually on a hill that we can't mow with a lawnmower. So the goats did a really nice job of being mm-hmm. groomed. And and one day, the same gentleman that told us it was better to ask for forgiveness and permission uh, sent us a letter saying we had to remove the goats. Mm. Um, not because of anyone complaining, but because we were in uh, violation of the city ordinance, which... Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a kind of left up for interpretation as well. Okay. okay. So uh, we end up in court and the prosecuting attorney uh, did some pretty unethical things, took us in a room, threatened us, and I was afraid. So I just said, fine, we'll uh, go in front of the judge and we'll say that we're going to remove the goats. And, um, you know, it was sad because they brought so much joy to everyone in the town. People would walk down our back alley just to see them in the evenings and things like that. But um, I uh, I knew this wasn't a battle that I could fight emotionally. I had to do it strategically. So upon leaving the courthouse, I um, went live on Facebook and I just kind of put the story out there. And uh, about 24 hours later, I had friends from Canada, friends from England saying, hey, why are you why are you on the news? Uh mm. So it it really got picked up and um, you know I think if anything else it it surfaced uh, a lot of things that this gentleman was doing to all of the people in the village because once our story went public I got emails and phone calls from other people saying well this is what how this gentleman has bullied us and uh, so I think it really exposed some things in our town um that were being done so we we did not end up bringing the goats back although we were supported by the fair housing association of toledo uh we ended up actually acquiring a retreat center about 10 miles from our house and it's a beautiful 30 acre space and they're obviously much more happy here but it it was just phenomenal to me the out pouring of support for for us and our um our mission to keep the goats so
0: <laughs> what is your biggest uh, lesson or like uh with nuggets of wisdom from all this event all this uh setbacks this challenge like how did it make you stronger in some way that now it's still with you in your heart
1: um well i guess the the biggest piece of wisdom i received from the goat situation is just that, um, you know, everything always works out how it's supposed to. And I, I mean, I kept in mind the entire time because, you know, a lot of people that I talked to were like, well, you need to protest and you need to, um, you know, go all over and make a big deal. And, you know, I, I really just thought, it's all going to work out how it's supposed to anyway. And I can show up and I can be authentic and I can share my story and maybe my story will help empower other people, but I'm not going to waste time and energy in a, in a battle. Um, I'm just going to kind of sit back and I'm going to let thing let the cards fall. And um, you know, it, it turned out better than, than I could have imagined. And, and now we're in this beautiful space. It's, it all worked out. So, um, you know, that's, I guess, my, my greatest words of wisdom is, you know, things are, are always going to work out. And in those moments of high emotion and chaos, when you can really just, you know, it probably sounds cliche, but when you can really have that faith that you are always supported and the things that are happening around you are always for the greater good of your ultimate mission, uh, it allows you to move through things with grace instead of stress.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, that's beautiful. I, I can definitely relate to that in many ways, many times in my life. And, and I know <laughs> yes. it can be, it can be difficult for people like, I, oh, it's it sounds almost a bit religious, but like, seriously, when you truly take this time to just, you re, you observe everything around you and you say, okay, this is total chaos. What am I going to do when you don't know what to do? Do nothing Yes, and just listen, mm-hmm. just look Just, yes, this this presence is there. It it will start to grow from within and and radiates. And then, you know, I like when you said, oh, I don't want to to protest and everything because it's true. If you resist it, it will only get worse. Like you Mm -hmm. send this vibe of resistance and resistance and then, oh, more people are angry and just create this big vacuum. You don't need that to transcend the situation. The situation is only a problem when you allow it to be a problem. Mm-hmm. But when you're going with this flow of like whatever is in front of you, I will just follow the steps one at a time, and then eventually it will turn out. And as you said, you might even have a solution that's even better than you first mm-hmm. imagined because you were not ready to receive the solution uh, two weeks before or two hours before. Now, with your current mind frame, uh, beliefs, or surrender, or all those elements combined create the path ahead a clear path so that's very good uh, story for that
1: yes yes and it's so true i think that you know i i always tell people it's only your job to set the intention you have it's your job to affirm what you want but never how it's done and never when it's going to (laughs) happen and Mm -hmm. um you know, I, I always tell people that come to my retreats because we really hone in on, on our mission and purpose. And I tell people when they leave, be prepared. Your life is probably going to get turned upside down yeah. because it is supporting what you affirm and what you want. So in the chaos, just step back and, and let the cards fall because you are being set up. You're, we are always being set up for what we truly want Mm -hmm. and so if you know in your heart this is what i've asked for and i know this is uncomfortable right now but it's for the greater good of you know xyz yeah uh, it it just (laughs) i think it it saves years off your life (laughs) of stress and worry and you know Mm -hmm. i now i'm in such a state of flow um that everything i affirm comes to me everything and and it's getting faster and faster you know even to the point where it's like oh hey i i could really use a couple of farm tables and then two days later someone shows up and says hey i'd like to donate i I really i build rustic farm tables i'd like to donate a couple of them to your retreat center or you know hey i could really use um some metal roofing for these cabins and then a week later someone places an order that get that and then they change their mind on the color and my builder says oh hey i just you, you know, I have this roofing in my mind, I'm wanting green roofing. I don't ever even say that. And he's like, Oh, Hey, these people, they ordered green. Now they want black. So I have all this extra roofing. It's green. Amazing. Do you want it? Wow. <laughs> you know? But it's really, you know, being able to walk in that path of fully knowing that everything that you've asked for is coming to you. It is coming. And the, the more you step back and allow the quicker it will get
0: there. And what do you think is the the missing link for people who like who believes in the law of attraction but like they don't have the results what do you think they forget
1: <laughs> Well you know I um we talk a lot about the law of attraction which is is a very 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 real thing and um you know I like to kind of explain it more in a a brain science fashion for those people that may be a bit skeptical or for those people that think you can just sit on the couch and everything's gonna show up in your mailbox. (laughs) Um, No way. You know, (laughs) the law of attraction to me is, um, you know, when it's like, I always say, have you ever um, noticed a a model of car that like maybe you've never seen it before and then you're like, oh, hey, I, I really like these Jeep Wranglers or maybe you buy one and then all of a sudden everyone has your car like I saw these on the road before but now I see them everywhere so it's it's an awareness thing so when you set an intention always now your brain which is programmed to always support your beliefs and to always you know prove that we're right and find evidence of our intentions is going to go into overdrive and and now it's going to start noticing these things that were always there because everything we need is always there, but Mm -hmm. we we can't notice it until we shift our awareness. So I think that, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, I, I, and and this was me. I was the textbook law of attraction student. Um, I did for just years and years of, of meditations and intention setting. And, you know, I just kept slamming my head into a wall and I'm like, man, I don't think this stuff works, you know, or at least (laughs) it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, and the game changer for me was truly the art of just letting it go you know the the more that you try to control how something happens the more limitations you're putting on it mm-hmm. and uh you know as as people as humans we have this control factor i mean it's in our survival right um it's old programming of you know this has to happen. It's an attachment. And if this doesn't happen, you know, and and I'll use myself as a a prime example, Um, you know, for years and years and years, I had to have this retreat center where I did these retreats and um, you know, everything had to be this, this, and this. And then I just found myself, you know, things were getting worse and getting worse and getting worse. And then I got to a point where, you know, like, The vice grip gets put on you and it just keeps squeezing you until you snap. And you're like, you know what? This is so stressful. It's not even worth it. I don't even want to do this anymore. Um, You know, I I was fully at peace with walking away and saying anything else in my life could happen and that would be okay. And (laughs) that was about four months ago. And in four months, literally everything I have ever like hoped for and dreamed for, has manifest in four months. And it just keeps getting better and better. Um, but it was really that point of not being attached. And and I know that it sounds <laughs> like so much easier than it really is because we feel like, well, this is my purpose and this is why I'm here. And if I'm not doing this, then what's the point? Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's setting the intention and then saying, but if it doesn't happen, I'm still okay.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: And when you can, when you can, and you can't fake it.
0: (laughs) But when you you can't cheat the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh,
0: universe. Oh, I don't really want it. Oh Ah, that's not working. Yeah, you (laughs) you can't
1: fool the universe. But you know, it was really I got to this point where I'm like, you know what? If I don't get this retreat center, what I could do instead is I could just travel. I mean, I've got all the information. I have everything I need to to run and facilitate a retreat. I have, you know, a decade of intellectual property. I can get these results with my method. I don't have to have a place. I could just travel the world and go to everyone else's place and use their space. And yeah. and it was like, from the day I had that realization, everything is just like coming in the door faster than I can keep up. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not in the business of giving advice. I always say, if you've given someone advice, it's what you need to hear. So I yeah, tried really hard good. not, uh-huh. not to give advice. Um, you know, but as far as my personal experience, um, it's just really as soon as I had a backup plan and then another backup plan after that, it was like, Oh, I now I could do this thing or that thing or that thing. And I just I felt myself just kind of take this breath and sit back. Um, you know, still taking massive action on a daily basis. Of course. But um, you know that was really—it's
0: like this uh, when you have this awareness of what are the other opportunities. You created this ab- this abundance mindset because instead of just seeing one thing, uh, you can see all the possibilities. You create this vibration, this energy instead of like, oh, I'm actually richer than I thought, and like, yes. uh, I have a very good example of that. So uh, last week well, I didn't work on my resume or my CV for, for years because I'm self-employed too. But like recently I was inspired to see, oh, let's see if I can work at the Canadian consulate in Georgia, if I can maybe some work in languages or uh, consulting. And then I was, I was forced to do my resume in English. And I was like, in my, in my past, I was always judging this CV as something not worth it, even maybe shameful because I was not appreciating my own experience as a person. It was so um, full of colors and full of ex- different experience outside of traditional education, outside of like, oh, I don't have a bachelor or master degree. But I remember that day when I hired oh, the, the son of the, the dog.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, so that day when I when I took the time to sit my butt in the chair and and write this resume in English with all my beautiful life experience. I felt so rich and so abundant. That then, I was like so inspired to just send it to other people. Amanda, are you here? Okay. Well, guys, I think that's uh, that's it for today. So it's a sign from the universe. Uh, so I guess uh, we will write her information in the... Uh, in the podcast description so where we you can follow her join her uh, maybe give donations to her associate uh, organization on my part i'm anthony rivet my website is anthonyrivet.com. so r-i-v-e-s-t and if you like this podcast please follow me on facebook on yourbrotherspodcast.com thank you very much for your time together uh good evening good morning good afternoon whatever you are and until next time i wish you the best okay see you guys